This is Archive Atlanta, episode 223, Photographers. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. So this week we are talking about early photographers in Atlanta, starting with an early history of the technology, then the photographers, their lives, their studios, and what if anything is left today. And let me tell you, I have been doing this episode for months. So I was like, yeah, it's going to be a quick little mini. I ended up visiting the Atlanta History Center archives. Um, It took me months and months. So all that to say, I tried to cram as much as I could into this one episode. There's a lot of things that didn't make the cut, um, but I'm going to definitely share links uh, of places that you can read more about this if you're interested in it. And I encourage everyone to do that. As is the case in a lot of Atlanta's history, there is a gender binary and there's a racial binary. So I decided to structure this chronologically. So it's going to be like race first, then gender. Um, And today I'm going to cover it in that order. Before we get into Atlanta, let's start with the basic history of photography. It begins with the camera obscura, which is an image projected through a small hole. Joseph Nipsey, I think, and Louis Daguerre are often considered the inventors of photography, the former specifically with silver chloride and silver halide. By 1893, the daguerreotype was commonly used for commercial portraits. In 1851, Frederick Archer introduced the colloid and wet plate process, and in 1889, George Eastman created the roll of film, which made it possible to shoot multiple pictures one after the other. In 1936, Kodak released Kodak Chrome, which was the first color film, and that same year, the first instant cameras were invented. The earliest photographers trained as portrait artists or painters of miniatures. Post-1840, the popularity of the daguerreotype increased, and so photographers traveled the state almost like peddlers. And at this point, it is a mainly white male profession, although they sometimes had non-white help. These assistants' names are pretty much lost to time. They are not usually recorded on things like the census or archival documents. Before 1860, there were only three white women recorded in the state of Georgia that are listed as photographers. Their names were Eliza Blanchard from Athens, S.H. Leibolt from Augusta slash Madison, and Augusta Wilde in Savannah. There are no black people listed because in this time they are being enslaved. There are a few references to some male photographers in 1850s Atlanta, but I think we can safely consider Charles W. Dill, Atlanta's first white male photographer. This is based on an advertisement I found from 1861 and then a 1912 newspaper article that kind of chronicled his life. Dill and his wife Anna lived in the future Oakland City neighborhood long before it was developed. He went into business with John Mayer, an artist known for designing Confederate banners. And so Charles is the photographer and Mayer is the artist and they operated as Dill and Mayer. An 1861 ad said, quote, portraits taken from life or copied from old daguerreotypes, end quote. Now accounts state that Dill retired in 1875 and he died in 1902. Christopher Washington Motes was born in 1837 in Alabama. He worked as a photographer prior to the Civil War. He fought in said war, and then he moved to Atlanta afterward. By the 1870s, Smith and Motes operated out of a studio on Whitehall Street, and they specialized in portraits of cabinet and half-cabinet-sized and colored photographs in either watercolor or oil. 
On their roof, they advertise one of the finest solar cameras in the South. In 1884, he was awarded the $100 prize at the Photographers' Convention of America in Cincinnati. And by 1887, his Atlanta shop had the largest photos in the windows, including portraits of prominent citizens like John B. Gordon. William Kuhn, K-U-H-N, was well known for his photographs of children, as well as graduation photos of local colleges, um, even Emory students who at this point, they were still in Oxford, Georgia. They would travel all the way to Atlanta to get their class photo taken by him. He also photographed the 1887 Firemen's Convention. And then in the 1890s, he did photos of Cleo the Elephant from the Atlanta Zoo that the zoo actually sold in their gift shop. In 1891, J.J. Faber came from Washington, D.C. area to open up shop on Whitehall Street, and he specialized in photographs of Georgia senators, as well as crayons, pastels, and oil paintings and restoration of old faded pictures. In 1898, Frank Moore from Buffalo, New York, came to Atlanta, and he formed a partnership with Christopher Motes, creating Motes and Moore. In 1908, Wesley Hirschberg bought out the old McCrary and Company studio, and he began operating a photography studio that would reach peak popularity by the time he retired in the late 1920s. Almost any photo that you see in Atlanta's newspapers in this era was usually taken by him. So politicians, local leaders, even baby contests, I found. Um, and a fun story about him, when he was cleaning out his office to prepare for retirement, he actually found a box of Smith and Moats negatives, and he prints them in the Constitution and asks all Atlantans to help identify, you know, who these people are and write in and let him know. So what about women? In Georgia, women are often trained in photography or related profession by others, often their photographer fathers, brothers, or husbands, or they could apprentice with an unrelated photographer. If they were white, they could also attend schools like the Southern School of Photography, which was in Tennessee, or the Georgia Institute Schools of Art and Design, which was in downtown Atlanta. The first female photographer in Atlanta was a white woman named Linny Condon Hendrick. Condon began her photography work in Louisville, Kentucky around 1884, and she moved to Atlanta in 1890 after divorcing her first husband, Thomas Condon. There is record of her Fulton County photographer tax being paid in 1890, and she also had a shop on Whitehall Street. She was the photographer for the 1895 Suffragist Convention, and she photographed Susan B. Anthony, which is kind of a famous photo. Um, and in Atlanta, she was the photographer for the Board of Lady Managers at the 1895 Cotton States and International Exposition. So in 1899, she remarried Ambrose Hendricks, who worked with her in her studio. And as the newspaper ad says, they plan to, quote, conduct the studio jointly, end quote. And then another 1895 article dubbed her the only woman photographer in the South. Condon's studio was known for her portraits of children. Typically, she would set up a Christmas tree in her studio for the holidays and do photo shoots there. Um, and by the late 1890s, she had a female assistant whose name was Lolly Bell Wiley. So fast forward to 1909. Linny is 65 years old. She has now divorced her second husband amid allegations of him threatening to kill her while he was drunk. And so she returned back to her uh, first marriage name, Condon, Linny Condon, and she had just moved into a new home on Spring Street. So one day after she finished moving in, so this was a Friday, Linny Condon died in her sleep. She was found on Monday morning and the papers described her as having a smile on her face. 
I do want to mention another uh, white woman photographer. And so this was really the impetus behind this episode. I had photography on my episode list. I had a very minimal amount of notes in there. Um, And then I got an email from a listener who wanted to share the story of her descendant, who is named Sybil Ernestine Youngblood Hunt. Hunt was taught the craft by her father named Edgar Lee Youngblood. She grew up and she married D.T. Hunt, and they both operated a studio out of their Grant Park home. In 1935, in the middle of Great Depression, they opened H&W Studios on Broad Street downtown. The business was passed down to their son David, then his daughter Cindy, who is this person's mom, Um, and after changing names and locations throughout the years, it became a print lab for professional photographers, and it just closed in 2020. In the 1880s, Fulton County had 190 black photographers listed in the census and the directories. Let me preface everything I'm about to say with a note on how difficult it is to research any minority group in a majority white press or archive. Anything I have to share in today's episodes about black photographers comes from two places. Skip Mason's book on a 1991 exhibit called Hidden Treasures, African-American Photographers in Atlanta, 1870 to 1970. This was held at the Apex Museum. And a blog called Hunting and Gathering, which I will link in the show notes. While we do have the Atlanta Daily World archives, they don't begin until the 1930s, and so people that practice photography before this time are harder and harder to find. All that being said, we do have some well-known names like Askew and Poole, and we'll get to them and more. Thomas Askew began his career as an apprentice for the aforementioned C.W. Motes, and he operated out of his home studio on Summit Avenue. Born in 1847, after emancipation, he moved to Atlanta, and he married Mary in 1869. They had nine children, and those children were some of his earliest subjects. Askew's photos were so important because they showed middle and upper middle class black families, therefore challenging the stereotypes of what black people were and how they lived. In 1900, his photos were selected to be part of the Exhibit of American Negroes, which was at the Paris Exposition that was curated by W.E.B. Du Bois, among many others. Askew practiced photography um, almost until his death in 1914, and in the tragedy of all tragedies, um, his home, where all his negatives and all his records were, was burned in the fire of 1917. Paul Poole is another big name in Black Atlanta photography. Born in 1880, he was listed as an employee of C.F. McDonnell in 1911. And so McDonnell dies in 1916. And by the 1920 census, Poole has opened a studio on Auburn Avenue, and he has become the unofficial photographer of all the HBCUs in the city. He employed black women as assistants, including Ellie Weems and his wife Susie, and I think it's documented that Susie did continue to run the business after he died well into the 1940s. Andrew Kelly operated Kelly's studio out of the Herndon building, which no longer stands on Auburn Avenue. His first business advertisement was in the 1925 Clark yearbook, um, and he ended up kind of cornering the market of class photos for Atlanta's black grammar schools, high schools, and colleges. And by the 1940s, there were two Kelly Studios, and he led a team of eight employees, both men and women, and Kelly died in 1965. If you think there is little information on black male photographers, let me introduce you to black women. 
I've given the statistics in many episodes, but in 1929 alone, 90% of Atlanta's black women are either domestic workers or laundresses. So when you see a woman doing things like starting an orphanage, Carrie Cunningham, opening a funeral home, Geneva Hogbrooks, or working as a photographer, which we'll learn soon, this is really very extra special. Lula Chisholm was born in 1886 in Georgia, and by 1910, she is also working at C.F. McDonald's studio. So the, yes, the same one where Paul Poole worked. And fun fact, she was actually listed in the census as a boarder in Poole's home. Minnie Reese was born in 1881. She was listed in 1910 as working at a photographer's studio, although we do not know which one. Minnie Mondul was born in 1893. She was married to N.H. Mondul. So her husband was Indian. Um, he was born in Calcutta. She was black. Uh, and after she dies, after he dies, she ran the studio until the mid-1930s. Ruth Beatrice Hall was born in 1900. She was an art and biology teacher at Booker T. Washington from 1927 until about 1932. And during that time, she worked under the name Sisters Photo Studio, which was located on Ashby Street. By the 1940s, she had begun teaching art education at Morris Brown. Maddie Verist was manager of the Tuskegee location of Norvie's Photo Studio, which had opened in 1943. But by 1945, they had opened an Atlanta location on Auburn Avenue. And my guess is that she transferred there shortly thereafter to manage that office. Elaine Tomlin took many, many photos printed in the Atlanta Daily World from the early 70s through the late 90s. A lot of these were of Ralph David Abernathy um, when he had his children. She, I don't know if she got first dibs, but lots of baby pictures I found. There was a woman named Faye Bellamy. She was featured in a 1987 Black Photographers in Atlanta exhibit that was held at Spelman College. So there you have it. Their brief story of early photographers um, and photography in Atlanta. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, this is not an exhaustive list. This is a very early list. But if you have information about these 19th and 20th century um, people, send me a message. Because, I mean, again, the, especially the uh, the blog that I found that I'll link um, and Skip Mason's work, it is an incredible public service. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Remember to leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to the podcast. There's also a Patreon link in the show notes if you'd like to support the work. I hope everyone has a great weekend, and I'll talk to you next week.